Welcome to another edition of Who's Better Baseball, the podcast where we answer a simple question on each show. Who's better at baseball? I'm your host, Ryan Ficklesign, managing editor at JustBaseball.com. I have one of our writers here today, Harrison Bruns, who just wrote a trade deadline retrospective about the Baltimore Orioles, who's been covering for us all year. And when it comes to who's better in baseball, there's not many teams better than the Baltimore Orioles. But I think the thing that a lot of us look back at this deadline and wonder is, did they do enough? When you have an opportunity where you're atop the American League, you would hope you capitalize it. What do you think about just their haphazard approach where they didn't necessarily look at this as the year? They still sort of kept the prospects and thought about the long term here. Yeah, it's it's a little frustrating. And there's from what I've seen and just like interacting with Orioles fans on like social media and whatnot, there seem to be we're very much split into two factions where it's there's a group of people who are protect the prospects, don't buy anything, we're good enough to win as like as is right now mm-hmm. and like there's no need to mortgage the future on on a, on a rental or stuff like that and then there's another group that is sell them like get rid of the prospects like dump the prospects we need you know players who are going to help us right now because we have an opportunity to win and so the fan base has like really been split into that and so funny enough it feels like they very much went like a middling route where yeah. it's like you add um jack flaherty and fujinami for you know, guys that aren't going to have a huge impact um, on the major league team. Like um, even like the prospects that they gave up for Flaherty, uh, Drew Rom, and then I, I can never pronounce this kid's name, um, <laughs> Prieto. Um, but like he's, oh, yeah. he's an infield prospect, like he was in AAA. Uh, and like, like if we can't find room for Joey Ortiz, like we're never going to find room for Prieto, right? And so, <laughs> yeah. and, and so it makes sense to get rid of him. But that's where... Like I become a little bit confused is when I look at the list of prospects that they have and the kids that they have in the minor league system and how they are blocked. I don't understand what holding on to them does. I thought that not trading Joey Ortiz, this trade deadline is a bit of a mistake simply because he has a lot of intrigue, right? He's if I'm not mistaken, has like a nine, Oh, an OPS over 950 and 91 AAA games. And he, everybody raves about his defense, right? Like when he, even when he came up and was playing in the, in the majors, like everybody just raved about his defense and he's going to be 25 yeah. from the off season, having played like a handful of major league games. Like, I, I don't know. I just, it was like, I don't know how much intrigue there is on a 25 year old short. You know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like as the longer they wait to move off of him, if he's not going to make the major league team, they're just, like letting his value slowly diminish. Mm-hmm. 100%. Um, yeah. And so it just, it it can, it's become a, a bit frustrating their strategy as to <laughs> how they approach the trade deadline these last two years. It, you know, it, Joey Ortiz is a, is a great example, especially because of the prospect they dealt because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I did a lot of sort of digging. I wrote an article about the Mets and the Orioles being mm-hmm. perfect trade partners because as a team that was eating money, um, you know, putting myself in the Mets mindset, I was like, man, the Orioles are the team to trade with because yeah. they got prospects to deal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think I, you know, I, I looked at, you know, Cesar Prado and, and Joey Ortiz and I was like, well, you can afford to trade Prado because you have Ortiz. And you could also yes. say the, the, the inverse of it yes. where you could have, instead of getting Jack Flaherty, you could have got, you know, aim a little higher and, and mm-hmm. you could have traded Ortiz to get that, that player. Now, Granted, when we look at this deadline and and the pitchers moved, 
you know, there there wasn't a, a ton because Erod stayed. Yeah. Um, you know, I wonder if there was any dialogue there. I wonder if he was part of the ten team no trade clause list because mm-hmm. honestly, he's in it it would have been a nice fit. I wonder if that's a mistake by the Tigers not having a plan B lined up or if mm-hmm. Baltimore never really called on it. But mm-hmm. they seem to be a little bit in on Justin Verlander. I don't know if Verlander ever would have gone there. Yeah. To me, it's the Dylan Cease discussion right Dylan Cease was the guy that yes it would have taken a haul you would have had to cash mm-hmm. in the prospects but at some point you have to trade from your organizational depth in your farm system for an area where you don't have it and as great as this farm system is with Baltimore outside of DL Hall right now there's not a lot of pitchers that no. they have that are you know close to impact in the big league so the opportunity to snag a Dylan Cease right now, plug it in the top of your rotation for a playoff push, have him for two more years and maybe be able to extend him. To me, it feels like that was a massive missed opportunity. Yeah. And the thing with Cease is, and I, like I said, I, I'm, I have no idea what the discussions were, who the prospects that were brought up were. I have no idea what went into those talks. And, but I can I can like envision it in my mind that yeah. as soon as the White Sox mentioned Jackson Holiday, the Orioles like absolutely not, yeah. <laughs> and they're like, well, and they, and they effectively walk away. Or if it was, I could also see the Orioles to some extent walking away if the if they're asking for you know Kowser, Kierstad, and Mayo, like all oh, that's too much. And you know there were you know obviously like Orioles like fantasy lands where it's okay can the Orioles somehow tell them that holiday Mayo Kierstad and like Westberg are not on the table and still get that deal done. And it's like, then it, then it, then, then it becomes a lot trickier, right? Because now it's your offering Ortiz, um, Kowser. If you know, if they're still willing to move Kowser, it's Ortiz Kowser and then like pieces for C's. And I don't think the white Sox would have taken that. So I, I, I feel like it was just this, the way I imagine it going down is like this game of chicken, where the Orioles are like, okay, well, we don't want to move like these five. We have five guys that we don't want to move. And the White Sox were like, well, we want three of those five guys. Yeah. <laughs> and and it just being this, like the both sides being so far apart. Um, and 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 I think one thing that really hurt the Orioles is that like obviously, like it looked like it looks like Blake Snell wasn't on the market, right? Like I thought Blake Snell would have been a great ad and he would have been less expensive than Cease because he would have been a rental. And like I could I as like an Orioles fan, I can live with them dumping Ortiz and, you know, like Hudson Haskin or Ortiz and Kyle Stowers or in maybe a piece or two more for a rental in, um, in Snell, but it hurts that he wasn't on the break. He wasn't on the market. Strowman was pulled off the market. You know, a lot of these rental pitchers kind of disappeared. Like you said, the thing with Erod, like I think Erod would have been a great ad, um, like a lefty pitching in that ballpark. Like it would have been great. Uh, but it, it, you just don't know what those discussions were. And it just comes out like the Orioles had talks and they, you know, they, they, they picked up the phone at least. And so, and so it's, it's just really hard to gauge. Um, but yeah, I cease would have been an incredible ad. Um, and I think, I think part of what Elias is probably thinking too, is like, they're not going to extend cease. Like they're, they are trading cease to have him for two years and then to let him walk effectively or trade him again. You know what I mean? And, and so I think that was part of the turnoff and probably why the Orioles weren't willing to give up the prospect capital that it would have taken to get him. Like if, 
I think if Elias knew that the Orioles would be willing to re-sign Dylan Cease, I think it's a whole new ballgame. Yeah. Right. I think it's a lot easier to justify giving up a ton of really good prospects to to bring him in if you know that you can re-sign him. And I just don't think that Elias knew that they could re-sign him. And I think that played a big role too. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. And I think it's easy for me to sit here and say, all right, just give up Kirstad. Give up yeah. one of them, which I know he's having an amazing season. Trust me, as someone, again, that was looking at this Orioles system, that was the guy that was, like, watching videos. I was like, oh, if you could just find some way to pull a trade off. So I, I get that. I, I, I get the, the notion that, you know, if it's two years of cease, it's it's not as attractive. Uh, and, you know, honestly, he still hasn't had the best year anyway. So, so yeah. maybe it was right to hold it. Maybe it was just hard to get that deal done. But you mentioned a trade in the article that I think was really interesting that you wrote for us. It was about David Robertson, funny yeah. enough. And, and yeah. it's, it's moves like that that I feel like still could have been made where they could have gotten closer than oh. they ultimately did. Yes. And that is where, like, right, like it, it hurt to watch other teams make moves to improve themselves like significantly more. And 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 then you like see the packages and it's you're like, oh, like we like we could afford that. Yeah. <laughs> like like you know what we could even outbid them and still probably hurt even less than the you know, mm-hmm. than the team that he's gonna go end up ultimately going to, yeah. right? Because Robertson goes to Miami and like I'm sitting here looking at the deal and it's like the the Orioles could really use some more bullpen depth. Like I write in the article, right? Like Dylan Tate and Michael Givens have been working back from injuries all year long. Like it, coming out of spring training, it was, oh, like they'll be, you know, Tate might take a while, but we should have Givens back in like a month or two. And, like, you know, the all-star break comes around and neither of them are any closer to being ready to pitch. And so like you, you, and then, you know, you're not getting the same version of uh, CNL Perez that you were last year, right? Like they are hurting for bullpen depth. They're using Yenier Cano and Felix Bautista at an insane rate. Like yeah. these two, it feels like these two dudes are throwing every night almost. And it's like very clear, like you need like help depth wise in the bullpen. And that was a deal that I think the Orioles could have afforded to go out and get somebody like him. Um, and, and even, even if it was like a Kendall Graveman or um, uh, Keenan Middleton that went to like the Yankees, right? Like it, one of those guys would have helped with the depth immensely. And it's like, it, it just really hurt to watch those deals happen. And then the Orioles not do anything, right? Like they added Fuji early in the, or like, you know, like a week before the deadline. And it's like, oh, great, man. Like, like maybe we're going to like be active and do something. And then that's the only move made until Flaherty gets added at the last minute. And so it's just, like on top of that, like I don't understand how Ramon Arias is still on the team. Like I, I Arias is a great player, but that's part of the reason I don't understand why he's still on the team. Like you have a dude who's controllable, and I mean, when I wrote up my pre- deadline preview, like I felt like him and Miami were a match made in heaven, right? Like Miami starting Gene Segura at third base. Ramon Arias is a, you know, gonna get two and a half, three war every year. Like he's a gold glove level defender at third. He can play short and second. And, you know, he's a just slightly above league average hitter, right? Yeah. <laughs> like he's, you know, gonna have a 105, 110 WRC plus. So you're not, you know, he's not detrimental to the team by any means. Like, and and I was, I didn't understand how he's still on the team when you have, you know, Westberg waiting. You have Ortiz waiting. Like if you're gonna send, if you're gonna trade away Arias, like call up Ortiz, and he's yeah. right there. Or um, like you could even rush Kobe Mayo if you wanted to. 
and that dude's raking like yeah. <laughs> like you have all these dudes that are just sitting there and it just it, it, it like i said i just feel like i'm talking in circles but the most infuriating part is it's just like where is their room you can start four infielders and three outfielders at a time and austin hayes is having a good year santander is having a good year and so after the year that these two are having i don't see them getting moved um mullins is here for at least the next two years you know like yeah. I, the only way i see mullins leaving is in free agency if they choose not to re-sign him after he's done with arbitration so it's like you like where is their room for these guys like you're just are we just gonna have, can, like for the i feel like for the next four years we're just gonna have the best triple a team in the world <laughs> and, and be and be satisfied with it yeah no it, the one interesting part that that comes out of that too is you mentioned urias and I think about the Paul Seawald trade. You know, Rojas goes over to Seattle. You feel like you could have been in the mix on that. And as much as you can say, all right, well, you know, these trades happened. You know, those teams were, were far down the line. I promise you they shot these deals. And when you have a farm system as good as Baltimore's, teams are going to call you and try to say, look, you know, we're sending Paul Seawald to, to Arizona for X, Y, and Z. Unless it was as specific as Seattle wanted to send Seawald out of the race. But I really don't think that, they look at the Orioles and think, oh, the Orioles are the team that's stopping us from make the, making the playoffs. You would just be helping the Orioles win that division. So yeah. I, I feel like, and granted, the Seawall package is one of the more ridiculous ones of the mm-hmm. deadline where it seemed like an overpay. Yeah. But again, you get to the point where the Orioles could have matched that or exceeded it and felt it less because exactly. of their farm system. And that's just the opportunities they didn't take advantage of. Exactly. Like it. That That's the biggest thing is – is the Orioles could, and like I, I get like you you don't want to overpay, but in retrospect, the Orioles could overpay, and they're the team that would be hurt the least in baseball by overpaying. Like yeah. they are going to feel it less than anybody else in baseball because they are so stacked. And and like I said, it just comes down to like where do you see room for these guys? Like you have Haskins, Stowers, um, Kierstad. Fabian and Beavers all in the minor leagues in, in double A or higher as outfield guys where, and, and like I said, with Santander and um, Santander and uh, Austin Hayes playing as well as they are, you have five dudes sitting in the minor leagues that all play in the outfield. Where do you see room for them in yeah. <laughs> two years from now? Like those, there's no way those like, you know what I mean? Just like via like math, right? Like very simple math. Yeah. Three or four of those dudes are never going to play for the Orioles just because of the way it's all shaking out. And even like, I can see a lot of things where like Kierstad gets like, a lot of like Orioles fans are like, okay, well, like we're going to put Kierstad at first in the future. You know, since Mountcastle came back from Vertigo, dude can't get out. <laughs> He's sitting like 410 since he came back from like Vertigo symptoms. Like very clearly, he had something wrong with him earlier this year because he wasn't hitting very well. He goes on the IL and they're like, oh, he's dealing with like vertigo, yada, yada, yada. And I was like, oh, okay, like, who knows, whatever. Like, I just kind of brush it aside. And then he comes back and he looks like a whole new dude. Like, okay, very clearly something was wrong. So now you want to put Kierstad at first base when Mountcastle has like, and I'm very adamant that I think Mountcastle has 40 homers in the tank. Like if he stays healthy for a full year and puts it together, 33 as a rookie, like <laughs> the dude's got 40 homers in the tank and he has puts together a good year. And and so, I, oh my gosh, it is. Like I said, I feel like I'm rambling and talking in circles, no. but it is just so frustrating to watch. And I don't know. And, and now it's, 
is this going to happen again next year? If they, you know, manage to put together a team that, you know, is competitive, is this going to be, is this just the norm for what they're going to do every single year at the trade deadline where it just feels like they don't do enough. And granted, I could come back to eat my words later down the road. Like they could win the world series and I'm eating my words. And it's like, okay, whatever. They, you know, kept the best farm system in baseball together and still won a world series, whatever. Um, But I think this is, I feel like I'm talking and not letting you speak, but like the one, one thing that um, Arm said yesterday on the just baseball show that I thought was really intriguing. And I think he didn't say it about the Orioles, but I think it's going to come true about the Orioles. Right. Is the teams that lack pitching, like it really starts to rear its head in August. Right. Like you start to, and and I wrote about this in the article, Uh, Dean Kramer, Tyler Wells and Kyle Bradish are all have all either already surpassed or, or are basically one outing from surpassing their career high in innings pitched minors, everything like in their lives, the most innings they've ever pitched. And, and I'm thinking that doesn't even include like, we're, we're, we're barely in the August and we still have to get through August, September. And then, like I said, they're, they're, you know, pretty much guaranteed to not, I shouldn't say guaranteed to make the postseason, but you know, everybody's giving them a 95% chance to make the postseason at this point, even if it's as a wild card team and you still got to make it through there. Like, I just, I'm not convinced that they have the pitching depth. And when they had an opportunity to go add some, they added one guy who's coming off of injuries. Like, if you, if you were getting, if you knew you were getting a fully healthy version of Jack Flaherty, then great. But the reality of like the matter is, is like, what did he pitch last year? Like 50 some odd innings. The year before it was like 30 some odd innings because he was just plagued with injuries. And so you add a dude that you're not even sure you can count on to be healthy. And that's no knock on Jack Flaherty, right? Like he had a great first start, but just he, over the last two seasons, he hasn't been healthy. And your biggest issue is that you have guys, young pitchers who are outperforming, but at the end of the day, they've never thrown more than 120 innings in a season. And they're all right there right now. And so, like, can you really count on Dean Kramer to throw 60 more innings than he ever has in his career? Same thing with Kyle Brad. Like, Kyle Brad is like a 3.12 ERA right now. Like, that dude is out playing out of his mind. But, like, come October 1st, are you, do you trust him to, like, not – because, like, that's what, ha- that's what happened to Tyler Wells. He, he got sent down because he was showing signs of fatigue. He started to yeah. approach his career, like, and with Tyler Wells, it's a little different too, because the last time he threw this many innings was in 2018. He threw 130 innings in 2018. And since then, it's never been more than like 75. So the last four years, he hasn't thrown more than 75 innings. And, and this is like, this is supposed to be your best pitcher and the dude that you trust to like carry you through a play, like, through a playoff series. Yeah. I'm just, I just do not believe that those guys can hold up. It's, it's, you know, there's a couple things from that. For for one, you know, there was trades that we don't even know about that could have been on the table if they just parted with one of the guys they didn't want to. For for example, you know, it, you would hate to to part with one of your top ten guys for Jose Quintana, but mm-hmm. if the New York Mets and I'm telling you, he was shopped, they weren't going to move him for anything. They weren't going to move him for guys in your at the bottom of your top twenty. But if you give one prospect of significance, we saw the Mets were willing to move people, and they would have mm-hmm. eaten money. So. I saw Jose Quintana. It's a perfect fit for the Orioles because I was like, you know, Steve Cohen eats that down and it becomes like a $10 million pitcher for the rest of this year and all of next yep. year. And it's affordable and it, it frees up money that they can spend elsewhere. And I've been watching Jose Quintana pitch now. Mm-hmm. He, he obviously missed the, the beginning of the season, but he looks great. And on the mm-hmm. Orioles, 
that would have been the perfect type of pitcher that gets you through the season. Yes. And, and they needed those arms. The only other thing that I could say about all of these guys in the minor leagues and, and how you find room for them, if I had to guess what happens here, it's trading the guys that have less team control. It's, oh, they just pulled an Arise Lopez trade where they sent out Mullins to get a starter. It, it's going to be that type of thing where the yeah. guys that are established, I think, will be the ones that move to clear away for prospects. And you just have yeah. to hope that that's how you get pitching. But I think what, what you're getting at here is, you don't know that next year you're going to be sitting in this position where you're the first team in the American League to 70 wins. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot has to break right to get to that point, and it's more than just talent that gets you there. Yeah. So you had a chance to look at this team, to reward this team for being awesome this year, to trade some prospects that would have hurt, but to add a ton of pitching depth and be like, all right, this is a team that can legitimately make a run despite mm-hmm. how good the Orioles are. I don't think they're scaring anybody in a playoff series because they're going to go to the pitching matchups and most teams are going to have the edge on the starting pitching matchups. And, you know, God forbid they end up in a, in a wild card series where it's a three gamer. That's a scary proposition for this team. I I know I a hundred percent agree because it's, I I mean, at this rate, I'd feel a lot different if Tyler Wells was still just humming along, but he isn't. And, And that's, and that's the thing. And like, because, because I mean, like you said, in a wild card series, who is it? Like, hopefully Wells is back and has you know gotten a chance to catch his breath. He looks a little like he's feeling like a little rejuvenated. I know he threw he threw three really good innings in Bowie, you know, a couple of days ago. And so I know they're trying to limit his workload, but then it comes down to okay, so who are you? Who are you running out there in a playoff game? They're in a three game playoff series. If you're going to play all three games, it's probably Bradish starting the first game at this at, right now. That would be he would be the guy that you send out there because, like I said, he's playing out of his mind. And so you throw Bradish out there, and then you throw Jack Flaherty out there, and then it's probably Tyler Wells to start that last game. And it's like if you're, you know, I'm trying to think of who they could hit. Like, like let's say they hit the Twins. If you're the Twins, as bad as the Twins have been playing. You know, like, you know what I mean? They're they're in the worst division of well, baseball. You know, what, you know what the thing is, though? I'm pretty sure. Ba- so the the way if they let's just say the Rays pass them, right? Yeah. OK. And, and they're the so they would be the, the first wild card team likely if they have the best record. OK, so they're playing the worst wild card team. that gets Yes, it. because okay. the, the division winner would. Well, no, they would play the set. No, they play the. So it's even worse for them. They play the second wild card team because the division winner plays the, the twins would play card. the best. Okay. So that means they're looking at who probably like the Toronto or Seattle or, yeah. or, you know, or I'm trying to think of who, who the other wild card team is Houston. It could be Houston. Houston. That's oh, that's Houston's perfect. And like, they get it. Guess there what? They get, a three, they get a three game series with Houston starting today. And so we'll get to see how that, this could who's all the favorite. Out. Who's the favorite when it's Justin Verlander, Framber Valdez in game one and two in a three game series where it's going that's up against Bradish and Flair. I'm sorry. Listen, I, I love Kyle Bradish. He showed some real signs last year and it's, it, 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 he's continuing to show them this year, but you're telling me you want Kyle Bradish to start against Justin Verlander in a, in a postseason game. And, and then, and then after that, it's Framber Valdez versus Jack Flaherty. Like, and this isn't, this isn't, you know, like Cy Young vote getter Jack Flaherty anymore. This is, (laughs) this has been through some injuries, has been through some things is trying to fight back and get back to that point. Jack Flaherty, right? Like that is, that to me just looks, that screams disaster for the Orioles. And, 
I just, uh, it's like I said, it's beyond frustrating. And I think you made a great point with like somebody like Jose Quintana. They, it felt really like they needed to add a couple dudes to just help them get through the season. And the nice thing is a lot of these younger guys still have options. Like they got really lucky that Tyler Wells still has an option and that they could just shoot him down to buoy. Right. And not have to, you know, give him like a phantom IL stint where it was going to be like, Oh, he's on the IL with arm soreness and he's going <laughs> to just yeah. kind of hang out for a week and then we'll send him on a rehab assignment. And so, um, like, you, you know what I mean? It would have been nice to just bring in a couple veterans that, and I mean, they have that in Kyle Gibson, right? Like I said, the one thing I'm like kind of grateful for the fact they have Kyle Gibson for now is like, this dude can just eat innings. Like they can just send him out there. And even if he gets lit up, you can be like, you need to go seven tonight. <laughs> like we need to save the bullpen and you need to go seven tonight. So that way, if Dean Kramer is only able to go four tomorrow, we've got everybody in the bullpen rested. And so it's just, it would have been great to add a couple arms like that. And, and like I said, I just, it, it doesn't bode well when like when I just like like you said with the pitching, like you're looking at those three versus even even if it's the Blue Jays, right? Even if they like, you know, let's say Houston slips a little and they end up with the Blue Jays, it's you know, then it's Kyle Bradish against uh Kevin Gosman. Mm-hmm. Right. And then yeah. Jose Jose Barrios looks like his old self again, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like I don't I don't like Jack Flaherty over Jose Barrios. No. If it with Barrios throwing the way he has been, like yeah, yeah, it's just infuriating. You know, J- Jack Flaherty was a good addition. He if was. He was the, if he was the second pitcher they added, if- exactly. And I, I think I make that point in the article, right? Like, it, like Jack Flaherty and and uh, Fuji were great. It felt like they needed to make two more moves. It felt like they needed to add one more starter and one more reliever. They get David Robertson and Erod on top of what they did. That's that's all. That 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 would have been perfect. And and I and like I said, for those two dudes, I don't think they're giving up the farm. I think no. you can get those two dudes on very like with very affordable trades where you're very happy with like you could look at it and be like, oh, we did all right. Yeah. And and you know, I, I the Erod thing is another one that just kind of blows my mind because again, I'm actually about to write an article today about the Detroit mm-hmm. Tigers fumbling the bag at the deadline. Um, but it's I I wonder what that 10 team no trade list was. Based on what we figure, a lot of those teams were probably on the West Coast. I don't really think Baltimore was on that list. I could be wrong, but it's and the other thing too is, you know, one of the reasons why that deal stalled for for the uh, the Tigers was because Eri wanted a, a you know an option at the end of it for twenty mm-hmm. million dollars. And if you're the Orioles, that would have hurt to give up. But also, he would if if you're telling me that Erod's opting in and he's like. I think it's I'm trying to remember the exact number. I think it might have made it like a like a four year fifty nine million dollar like it wouldn't have been crazy. No, it's not that bad. It's really not that bad of a contract to take on. So it, you know, it, I just I feel like they they were trying to add around the, the the margins and and they just they didn't put together that trade that says we're trying to win the World Series this year. Mm-hmm. Thing is, yeah. they're so damn good that they might just win it anyway. Yeah. Yeah, but it, like that's the thing is like if, if we talk about these these pitching matchups, like who knows? Like that offense is very capable of coming out and just blitzing Verlander in the first three yeah. innings and putting you know putting up like five or six runs in the first three innings, and then it's like you pass that game off to the bullpen in the seventh inning, and I'm feeling pretty good, you know. Like if they're going to you know Fuji and then Cano and then Batista, I I feel pretty good about that game if they put up six in the first you know, handful of innings. Like, like that's the thing. Like, that's the thing is, 
the crazy thing about what you just said there is that Fuji's one of the guys. And yeah, I, I know he's pitched well in Baltimore. And look, that might be one of the best trades of the deadline, ultimately, because mm-hmm. he's got great stuff. Yeah. But again, when you look at what the Marlins gave up for Robertson, it could have been Robertson in that seat, and you could have had Fuji for a sixth inning. Yeah. It, it's yeah. just that that honestly might be the, the biggest trade that they didn't make because as much as as a Mets guy, I, I love this Marco Vargas prospect they just got. I got to imagine Baltimore had some prospects that would have been just as enticing, uh, if not more so, that you could have gotten, even if it was just a one-for-one. Literally, I was going to say, like, would you would you rather have those two guys or, you know, Orkies or, um, you know I what I mean? Thinking, like, I was thinking they could have just, like, Norby. Norby yeah. for Robertson could have been made, and the, the Orioles wouldn't have felt it. I know fans would have been pissed about trading yeah. Norby for a rental. And, but that's what you do to win a World Series if you have the chance to win one. Yeah, yeah. you want to talk about a dude that I really don't think fits into this Orioles team? Like, I love Connor Norby. Like, I, I'm, I'm as big a Connor Norby fan as anyone. Like, that dude just does not fit here. Where, like, where are you going to put this dude? Like, yeah. you want to talk about a dude? Like, because he just, like, I, I don't know. Like, at the end of the day, I look at him and I'm like, you're not as good as Westberg. You're not as good as Ortiz. Like, if we were going to, like, 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 ah, it just, it's so infuriating. I think that's honestly the perfect place to end the show. It is so infuriating. But hey, We'll we'll see what happens here with Baltimore. We'll we'll uh, be following along with the final fifty some odd games of the season. Hopefully, they can hang on to this division and get that buy, which I think will be big for them. Because then, if you're in the ALDS and you're going up against a team that just used a couple of their starters in a wild card round, mm-hmm. maybe no. the long. Oh, sorry, sorry, dog, dog, Brito, come here. I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's that, again, another great way to end the show. Uh, thank you for, for everyone for tuning in. Uh, make sure you follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe on YouTube and check out Harrison's article and all the other good stuff we have coming at just baseball.com. <laughs>